0: From Studio A in Podcast Village, Upper Georgetown, Washington, D.C., this is the best political talk show you've never heard of. It's Backroom Politics with your host and moderator, Justin Russell. Hey, hey, out there, radio land. It is time for the best political talk show you've never heard of. Uh, In my hand, I am holding the paper that has the absolute secret deal to the best political talk show you've never heard of, Backroom Politics. In studio with me, we have uh, former Biden political operative and attorney from the great state of Maryland and the District of Columbia. He is Dan Lipner, Esquire. Hello, Daniel. Hello, Justin. We're missing. We're missing a prop. We're missing an accoutrement. Oh, in case you've listened to the other podcast this week, uh, Dan Lipner during recording had his baby Isaac in studio, and now it just seems a little. It seems a little less warm seems like we're missing something. He is Super Isaac. He, I know. I know. Across the table from me, he is the former Undersecretary of Commerce for International Trade who served at last count for presidents. He is the one we know as the Honorable Alan Moore. Hello,
1: Alan. Hello, Justin.
0: And from the great state of Massachusetts, my home state, he is the former HuffPo contributing writer and the author of several books, including his latest, American Politics on the Rocks. He is Rich Rubino. Hello, Rich. Greetings from the base state. And of course, we've got uh, we've got Rob, the engineer, behind the glass, keeping us honest. And somehow, we've got somewhere in there. I think we've got uh, oh, they've got a baby in there again. Yeah, we've, we've lost Charlie. We've lost Charlie. Okay, <laughs> hi, Charlie. Um, so if you're if you're the Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi. And you're thinking, gosh, am I going to get a holiday card from the White House this year? Am I going to be invited, possibly, to the White House holiday party, one of the many that they have during the holiday season? Um, if you're Nancy Pelosi right now, you're probably thinking, yeah, not so much. It is probably easy to say that the relationship between the Speaker's office and the Oval Office has become... Um, What's a good word for it? Uh, Toxic. Toxic? Dan? Nervous.
2: Rich? (laughs) Uh, I would say um, enmity.
0: Really? Okay. I would go frigid. Uh, No matter what word you use, it has become a problem. There are some fears that this will create a sort of. Uh, cross Pennsylvania Avenue gridlock on the way that things are going to get done and how this country is operated. Uh, there is concerns that uh, it's going to get worse rather than it gets better. Uh, the rhetoric has been flying between both sides of Pennsylvania Avenue, and it's caused it, it's caused a lot of consternation both within the administration and on the Hill. Um. The reality is, is we've got two type A personalities in Pelosi and Trump, and this is just
3: like an there att- aren't many type B personalities in American no, politics.
0: No, but the, no, no, but these are special. I mean, look, you are talking about
3: when Nancy Pelosi. president of the United States or Speaker of the House, you kind of need a little right. get up and go. When
0: you, you Maybe have Denny to. Hester. Yeah, Denny Hastert was not Nancy Pelosi. No, he was uh, the yep.
1: accidental speaker.
0: Type well, okay. yeah, yeah. Um,
1: and Gerald Ford was the accidental president,
0: right? That's yeah. so. The reality is, we're dealing with a two-type A, serious type A personalities, two alpha personalities that are literally now going head to head. The, the The question now gets brought up is how big of a problem is this lack of relationship as late as? Yesterday, Nancy Pelosi just said after asking a question about Donald Trump, she's like, I'm done with him. I can't stand this. Uh, I'm through with him. That's not what you want to hear out of your Speaker of the House.
1: Well, in fairness, what she said was, as I heard it, not that I'm through with him. It was, I am not going to comment on him again. And she That's said, That's not being. Th- through with him because he's the president she's the speaker there are things they have to get done together so what was happening (coughs) is is that the the talk was being elevated and she said in a small group uh last week when they were debating whether or not to is to start an impeachment inquiry that that she 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 said, in, in arguing with those who want to proceed with impeachment, she said, "I'd rather see him in prison than impeach him." and that word got out now should she have said that well (laughs) she should have known it would get out it got out while the president and and nancy were pelosi were both in normandy so the president then attacks her aggressively uh, on a talk show about how nasty and uh and and unpleasant and so on that she is and she says i'm going to have nothing to say about the president while i'm overseas and then when she got back to 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 california said i'm done with this i'm I'm not going to talk about the president. You can ask your questions. I've got nothing to say about him. And that's worth noting because consistently, anytime Donald Trump
3: makes waves, he forces the debate on his terms. And Nancy Pelosi has basically said, I'm not playing. There is serious work to do. And even with the investigations that are going through the House, and while there's been some annoyance amongst uh, many activist Democrats what's going through now seems to be a very controlled approach by both by any of the investigating committees but principally uh, uh Nadler and Schiff the tone has been dialed back as far as the the public rhetoric but the very serious work of uh, both legally and to the act of investigation is being done in a serious manner now unfortunately the republicans have of uh, not really joined the team, with the ex- exception of our one libertarian friend in Michigan, um, as far as taking it seriously. That there is a world for oversight for <laughs> for the Congress to do of any president, let alone this one, um, and that serious tone is beginning to come through. Hopefully, it can be maintained. Well, I mean, but when the speaker says, "I'm done with it, which is the exact quote, right? Uh, she means she's done taking she's the done, bait.
0: She's done. Well, she she's not. It's not that she's not going to be baited by him. He's it's just that be, there's, there's no, not going to be. What it not, she's mean. not going to be baited but, by him. Yeah, I mean, not, not only does it mean that she's not only going to be baited President by him.
3: Trump calls the Speaker of the House nervous Nancy, and her appropriate response is, "I'm not playing."
0: Uh, yeah. Well, on right. top of that, he also she also says, is like, look, I'm not, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna bow down to your level." I mean, she's like, look, you want to talk to me about serious political issues? You want to talk about serious thing, serious issues that are facing the American public? I'll do that all day long. You want to get into a Twitter war? Take that up with somebody else. I'm she gonna...
3: already ate his lunch once in that, in that uh, leadership meeting with the president herself and Chuck Schumer. And Chuck Schumer sat there and bit his lip while Nancy Pelosi baited the, <laughs> the president into basically saying, I'll be responsible for whatever happens here.
2: Great. I, think she also, <laughs> I think she also probably learned something from, you know, the last time somebody tried to really challenge him on, on that level was probably Marco Rubio back when he was speaking in Virginia during the campaign. And he talked about how, um, you know, Trump had called him Little Marco. And then Marco said, well, you know, what about people. People with large hands and all that, and it just completely backfired on Marco Rubio. Nancy Pelosi is smart enough to know that if you go down in the weeds with, with him, people are the, the Ameri- you know the people in the center of the country, and the moderates are going to say oh they 're all the same. she wants to kind of take, take the moral high ground and just say you know he can be down on that level and then meanwhile i 'm going to be talking about infrastructure and I think that when she was overseas specifically and yeah. they asked her about it, she say, she took down she said well you know Arthur Vandenberg, back when he was the uh, chairman of the Formulations Committee, said, you know, politics stops at our water's edge, and I think that absolutely must have just really frustrated Donald Trump, because after he went after her with those graves in the background, Pelosi with those same graves in the background um, for the folks in Normandy basically said, I'm not playing.
0: But it seems to me like this is happening a lot to Republicans. You, you know, you take, for example, the hearing in the judiciary yesterday. Uh, you, you had uh, the ranking member uh Jim Jordan who literally got who literally got smacked down by the chairman uh Jerry Nadler uh for going on a huge rant and then on top of that you also had gate the the, the great quote from yesterday uh for those of you who are listening to this as a podcast uh the other day when the former uh what 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 was he the White House attorney White House counsel White House counsel um uh, Dean yeah when, that, when, the former, when yeah, President when, Nixon's- He was associate
1: counsel, I thought. Uh, no, he was White House counsel. He was White House counsel. That's for, what's Richard, his, for Richard Nixon, John the, Dean.
0: Yeah, so John Dean is up there testifying, and John Dean uh, is being attacked by uh, Congressman Gates out of Florida, and Gates goes, hey, you know what? If you want to talk about something you have absolutely no clue about, why don't we talk about uh, health care? Let's talk about the health care plan for the Democrats. And, and Dean comes back and said, well, actually, President Nixon had a health care plan. It was great. It was classing. It just seems that... Yeah, not that... only
3: did he have a health care plan, too, it's dying day. Uh, Ted Kennedy regrets yep. not taking him up on it. Right. Well, that's all. Whole... We, we've talked about that in previous
0: shows years ago about that. But anyway, the, the reality is that it, it just seems that the the demagoguery is getting worse before it's getting better. And the question is, who's being the better... Who's being the adult in the room? Is it the Democrats? Or do the Republicans have a reason to throw some demagoguery around? Somebody's gotta justify Is this it, debate. So
3: there are there are occasions, unfortunately, where, where where my party, the Democratic Party, has not exactly risen to the occasion that the stupid uh, bucket of chicken uh stunt, That was pretty dumb. Um was not Congressman Cohen. Yeah, was 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 not the most useful thing in the world. Um uh, Cory Booker's I Am Spartacus line. Uh, that said, by contrast, the Republican Party has no adult in the room. Ever uh, for these kind of events? I mean, Mitch McConnell. <laughs> oh my uh,
0: God, Dan. Nah, I, I wouldn't go that far, Dan.
1: <laughs> Dan but Dan, you're doing. You, sometimes you're doing just fine, and then you just go off the deep end when you don't have there, to. There, there are Trump okay, does that.
3: There, there are occasionally adults in the room, not often. And the 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 statesmen in the Republican Party have 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 not exactly had their time in the sun because the Jim Jordans of the world, who mind you, wanted to be Speaker of the House. Yep. Um <clears throat> is is sucking up the oxygen and Fox News instead of putting the legitimate conservatives up up there front and center, instead the nonsense gets gets put up there. Hey. So the question is are the are those true believers, do they care at all about the real substantive Republicans that are, have not been drummed out of the party yet? Or are the nonsense newsmakers the only people in the Republican Party Alan, that are worth reporting? Yeah, Alan, and
2: Dick da- Lugar and, uh, and Senator uh, Danforth are gone now. Yeah,
3: that's true.
0: Alan, I mean, Dan brings up a good question Is is, you know, can we call people like Gates, Jordan, and the rest of that crowd – can we call them true conservatives?
1: You can call them anything you want. I mean, the, the 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 terms are constantly being redefined. They're not conservative in the Barry Goldwater sense, but there's this new kind of conservative slash activist. Um, but is it conservatism or is it no, Trumpism? Well, you know, it predated it predated the president's election and. Um, uh, we had the Tea Partiers who considered themselves conservatives Um there, there, there's an anarchist um, uh, strain in some of this. There's a racist strain that appears, um, a white supremacist strain, um, a libertarian strain. It's very hard to come up with a, a, a definition. The president is extremely hard to define. And, of course, historically, he's been on both sides of any number of issues. Um, as, as Rich pointed out, he, he's been pretty consistent on... on on how good tariffs can be, and how bad our trade policy and trade deals are. Uh, I happen to disagree on both counts uh, with that, and so do many Republicans. But the, you know, there are other issues where uh, some people can find common ground. What what you can know is that across the country, poll after poll shows that self-identified Republicans, by huge majorities, approve of him. In in total, that doesn't mean they they buy into every last thing he does. They don't like his tweets. They don't like right. uh, some of the ugliness. They don't want to be associated with some of the uh, some of the alt right uh, white supremacist stuff. Um, but they they like what's going on with the economy. Statement.
3: Some of the alt right. <laughs> right. Yeah. I would just say that well, I think that I don't actually. Think, think- I
1: mean, you maybe you have a nice simple definition of what alt right is. I don't so. So by 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 I don't I'm not going to go there. I throw out a statement and then he wants to pick on it and stuff. It's like just do let us just do a favor for our readers um our listen our, 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 hand, <laughs> read, our wow, handful okay. of listeners that 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 they don't need to hear us debate what alt right means. I, I I'm sitting here trying to 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 make this larger point and and it, I don't. Back to your. Back to your question. Can we call them conservatives? Everything is a jumble now. But what we do know is Republicans who tend to be more conservative in their view of the role of government um, are at a loss to know how to deal with a president who they rely on to keep right. to help keep people who vote Republican in the fold. Um, and and. And, and find it not in their interest to to go to do what Democrats would love them to do, which right. is to go public and yell and scream right. and criticize the president. Do it in a quiet, yep. behind-the-scenes uh, way that won't trigger the president into attacking them. And right. it's challenging to do yeah. that. Well, Rich
0: but, Hold on, Rich Rubino.
2: Yes, I was just gonna say I think the Trump president I mean it's true that the the terms conservatism and liberalism have certainly been jumbled, but I actually think Trump's views are very consistent and I think they are conservative in it's back to the future in a sense. What his views if you go back, listen to a Warren G Harding 1921 1920 when he ran for president and then Calvin Coolidge succeeded him basically what their what their policies were they called it a full dinner pail mckinley's favored the same thing they were economic nationalism both of them were high were both of, both of them supported high tariffs they both wanted restrictions on both illegal immigration and legal immigration Calvin Coolidge signed legislation limiting illegal imi- limiting legal immigration in 1924 and in terms of foreign policy, at least the way that Trump ran, they were they were non they they ran as somewhat non-interventionist, or at least people who had, who who wanted a more um, conservative foreign policy. Yeah, but Rich, Rich you're talking to, tank.
0: Rich Rubina, You are talking about what is the baseline for isolationist, nationalistic policies that got us into trouble? Even back in those days, these were precursors to Herbert Hoover taking over the same. Uh, protocols, which gave us and begot the Smoot hall, nineteen, food
2: hall, yeah, yeah,
0: and, and 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 begot us the whole situation with the nineteen twenty nine stock market crash, which created the Great Depression. The, the, the you know this is similar, whether you want to call it conservatism, isolationism, nationalism, that is continuing to get us into deeper and deeper trouble. In a growing, growing global, I mean, we our, our, our political system was never near as global or globally entwined. Our economy was never as globally entwined as it is today. And yet we're bringing back 1920s policies to institute them in 2019, in a 2019 world. How dangerous is that?
2: It is it, well. It's dangerous. It's, I mean, obviously, there's not a direct parallel, and it's not directly analogous. But I will say this, though. You know, a lot of people attri- attribute America first to folks like Charles Lindbergh during World War II. But if you listen to Warren G. Harding, he actually used that term when he ran for president in 1920. He said we're going to go back. He said we're going to return to normalcy. He said, you know, we had just gone through the Woodrow Wilson's administration where there were interventions overseas, and Harding essentially said we're going to come back home. Um, we're going we're to return to normalcy, and then Coolidge had, those, had that exact same platform. And during the 1920s, um, the economy was roaring. It was, a bit, it was generally speaking, there was a – Mellon was the Treasury Secretary. He was very, very popular at the time. What happened after Coolidge left, Coolidge left, very popular president, 1929, Herbert Hoover takes over. You have the Great Depression, and then during the Great Depression, what Herbert Hoover does is Herbert Hoover decides he's going to – first of all, he decides he's going to balance a budget, so he has to raise taxes to do that. And then he also signs the smoot hawley tariff which resulted, of course, as you know, what we're learning today in retaliatory tariffs. Now, now, in fairness to Hoover, the Depression had already begun. It's not that Hoover had signed it into law, then the Depression had come, like some people, you know, some revisionists of Storinger are saying today, but when he signed that into law, it certainly was not the time for um, protectionism. But I equate it all to basically economic nationalism and non-interventionism, and that is a conservativism. It's just a conservativism that certainly faded. And if you go back even to the 1952 election, in the primaries and then at the, um, at the convention, you had Robert Taft, who was a Warren G. Harding, non-interventionist, um, less government type. And then you had Duet Eisenhower, who was more of an internationalist and a moderate, and Eisenhower won that election. He won the, the nomination, beat L.A. Stevenson in a landslide, and the Republican Party, at least at the presidential level – there have always been some exceptions um, – at the presidential level has espoused that ideology of internationalism, still less government and free trade for every president from eisenhower you know certainly every republican president eisenhower nixon ford reagan bush george w bush and trump was the first one to kind of go back to what harding and coolidge essentially espoused
1: go ahead alan moore yeah i was gonna make a couple comments um with regard to going back to tariffs um the difference between what's happening now and what happened in in the the 30s, for example, or other times, is you now have a president willing to use authority granted by Congress to the president to impose tariffs when there's uh, a national emergency uh, involved, and who defines what a national emergency is. Well, it's not defined. The president des- defines. And now Republicans are up in arms. This is not this is not a congressionally led exercise. The Congress isn't even a partner. You probably find more sentiment on the Democratic side, although they're keeping their heads low mm-hmm. towards imposing tariffs, than you will among Republicans. You certainly had more sentiment in favor of. <laughs> of criticizing NAFTA and the so-called Trans-Pacific Partnership uh, deal that Obama had negotiated and then both Hillary Clinton and then Lady President Trump uh, re- rejected, um, uh, I think contrary to America's economic interests, but that's another story for another time. Um, but you've got this weird business where the president's got this authority, doesn't enjoy widespread support in the country, or in the Congress. And you now have a movement in the Congress among Republicans to reassert some authority and scale back the president's powers to unilaterally declare national emergencies and, and, and and do terror. So it's, 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 it's just different than anything we've seen before. And it's, and it's causing a lot of angst among economists among Republicans, and among Democrats.
3: You got 30 seconds, go ahead, Dan Lipner. So the global economy has always been complicated, and it's getting more complicated. And the president's approach of wanting to wind things back to the 20s is downright dangerous. Mm -hmm. But that complexity also requires complex solutions, which is the additional danger of this presidency. The complete lack of understanding that what this means to just U.S. workers, by if those Mexican tariffs had actually been put in place, auto workers in for, for Ford, General Motors, any of those folks, the parts that go back and forth across the U.S.-Mexico border would have been a disaster. Right. So that lack of nuance
1: 5% was not going to destroy the, the fear was 5 would become 10 would become 15 would become 20 would become 25 no, 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 no. is, is
3: it 5% at every crossing I'm, if 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 if, if something is handled multiple times that's a compounding interest right well, yeah, it,
0: it, like a car, it, like a car part no, that no, no, goes no. back and forth. It, it, it
1: the, the question is, it had not been thought through as to how exactly this the, would exactly. work. exactly. So no, that, that's whole, exactly the point. There was a whole. Well, it but that's the danger. That's well, what he's saying. Well, it, well, but you're you're making it sound like they would know how to do it, and they could start it immediately, and they... But that's the problem.
0: We're expecting them to know how to do but it.
1: But they don't know how, and it, there's no way it could have started immediately, uh. and that was one of the things that... That, that makes that, it worse. That's what... It's one of the which things is that... Which what makes this president so ridiculous. It's one of the things that the president was informed of, which I was and, referring to a week ago when I said, I don't think this is going to happen, folks. Well,
0: I, I tell you what, it's still... It uh, doesn't make me feel good. Yeah, but, but he I, was... I, well, there were market reactions, right, We gotta you to pointed hey, out. We got to go. Right. <laughs> go. We got to go. We got to go. I, I do want to make this comment, though. Um, it, you know what? I, I've been disappointed. Everybody knows I'm not a fan of this president. I was really disappointed with the Fox interview with the uh, American Cemetery at Normandy in the background. That was just not just only low class. It was just beneath The office of the president. Somebody in his advanced team's gotta know that. Anyway, that being said, uh, we're gonna take a break. When we come back, we're gonna talk. The Democrats are in well, they're everywhere now. We'll talk about the twenty twenty Democratic race when we come back. This is background politics. Stay with us. A in Podcast Village, Upper Georgetown, Washington, D.C., this is the best political talk show you've never heard of. It's Backroom Politics with your host and moderator, Justin Russell. And we are back uh, in studio. I've got Dan Lipner, Alan Moore. Behind the glass, I've got Rob the Engineer. uh, Charlie Burnany is also keeping an eye on us as well, a nice host. And walking around somewhere is the rest of the Lipner clan as we live and breathe um, so in case you haven't noticed that the uh, the uh, 2020 Democratic uh, class I mean that's basically what it is is a small private school class a graduating class they are all over them uh, all of
3: whom have more class than the president
0: uh, oh okay. You know what? That's I'm not going to disagree with that. <laughs> <clears throat> the reality is uh, they have been swarming on key states, and the latest state is they all swarmed in on Iowa. Um, they, are, uh, they were there for a huge uh, Iowa Democratic fundraiser over uh, this past weekend, and 19 of them showed up. All of them... W- given 5 somebody even showed up that they were given 5 minutes and it was basically speed dating for your nominee uh, interesting interesting dynamics coming out but at the same time NBC and the Democratic Party have set the stage for their first of what seems to be 1280 debates that are going to happen between now and the Democratic National Convention next year um we can start with the first obvious question is, and Dan, since we're still not convinced that you are not actually advising uh, Joe Biden in his political race, we'll go to you first. Where was Joe? Now Joe says he was there. He was not in Iowa because he was his at his daughter, conflict. his daughter's graduation, or his Granddaughter. granddaughter's graduation. Um, is that a is that a big miss for Joe Biden?
3: So it was the Iowa Hall of Fame uh, (coughs) fundraising dinner, uh, Iowa Democratic Party Hall of Fame uh, fundraising dinner. Which is Um, a huge event in Iowa. It is. It is
0: a monster moneymaker.
3: Yes. uh, as Just so so everyone knows, uh, Iowa, uh, part of their economy is the caucuses, (laughs) and I'm not exaggerating that. Uh, Having presidential campaigns descend upon your state— uh, every four years because the kicking off point for most major campaigns, um, with the exception of in 92 when Harkin was running for president, when all the Democratic candidates decided to skip uh, Iowa because they were just conceding it to Harkin. Which didn't
0: make Iowa very happy.
3: That's what happens when you ha- when you have your favorite son running. Uh, everyone made a strategic choice to say New Hampshire is the first uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> contest in the country where it's going to uh, – to help uh, select our eventual uh, nominee. Um, by the way, Bill Clinton came in second to Paul Songis. so um, even that I is still questionable. A comeback
0: kid, right? Yeah. Anyway, but but did, was was Joe Biden's presence or lack of presence in Iowa for this big event
3: damaging or? It was noticed, um, and but that said, Joe Biden was the constant presence, even without him being there. Uh, there were candidates sniping at him. He had the 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 uh, not the Hatch Act the uh, Hyde Amendment the Hyde Amendment right uh, issue uh, flip as far as whether or not federal funds should be used for abortions, and uh, it was somewhat inartful the way. Uh, the, the the vice president or former vice president and his communications team uh, balanced that you How, mean
1: a flip a flop and a flip
3: yeah no no it was only a, it was only a flip he, he, no he, no he, it was he, a
1: flip he, and a flop and a
3: flip sorry he, after after a certain after initially serving his position this, was, all right, still there anyway, anyway keep he going. moved now worth noting that move while well, it's, it's going to annoy some folks. By the numbers, thanks to the crazy conservative moves by a lot of states for uh, the abortion restrictions, abortion proponents' numbers have gone up significantly, and we're talking double-digit moves, which we haven't seen in the abortion debate, at least in my lifetime. It's moved a couple points here and there on debates, but having a 13-point move in a few weeks is staggering. So while the vice president or the former vice president's uh, handling of that might not have been great, it's going to be it's it's going to be uh, background noise at the end of the day.
1: Uh, R- R- uh, go ahead, Alan. Yeah, more l- than Rich, l- l- I have a different view on on that one. Um, uh, and the reason, I don't need to go into why I said flip and then a flop and then a flip since 1976, uh, Joe Biden has supported. The Hyde Amendment, uh, named after a, a, a congressman Hyde. named Henry Hyde, who, which basically said, as as Dan b- briefly said, you cannot use federal funds to pay for abortions for legal abortions. Right. Um. And and that has been part of annual appropriations bills ever since. Right. And people try to kill it, uh, don't like it, but it, it but it has survived. One of the reasons it has survived and one of the reasons that it is not necessarily going to retreat to background noise for Joe Biden is there are a lot of Catholics in America who believe that there should be limited rights to abortion. They know that many other Catholics and non-Catholics believe that abortion at any stage constitutes murder, and they do not they were never comfortable with saying to people who had that view and who were taxpayers, you and your tax dollars will now have to contribute to paying for abortions. So the Hyde Amendment made it possible for some unknown number of both Catholics and others to 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 sort of be comfortable with a policy that that or to make make it so they could live with a policy that they were not really comfortable with what and, and Biden was on that train for 40 years and suddenly in an inartful way as you mentioned he's is for it against it for it whatever um finally decided yep I'm no longer supporting the Hyde amendment it was clearly a political calculation but down the road, right. it makes voting uh, potentially more complicated for some number of people who, who, who could find comfort in that restriction. Well, hold on, hold on. well
3: that's true. It's, it's still, the backdrop is these crazy new abortion restrictions that Alabama, Missouri, Georgia – have put into place some of the stuff is downright scary yeah
1: but, uh, yeah, but that, those are going to end up in the, court battles those have, are those all are... aimed at the roe v wade decision supreme court none of those have gone into effect none of them will go into effect before <laughs> before 2020 right Their implications we're, 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 we're talking about words
3: we'll as as joe biden's words were at play and those Whoa, words on you, paper no, 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 no. and those words on paper <laughs> are, on, are laws on, hold that hold have on. been passed that have actually pushed the numbers we can't deny that the, the polling that's come out I'm after not, this ha, has said that th- there is a public backlash because while the, the the Hyde Amendment existing as a middle ground to allow people to have comfort on all fronts, this allows Democrats to give a nod to the people who act, honestly believe Abortion at any stage is killing a life, but it also gives a little leeway along the way for even those Catholics that, and by the numbers, most Catholics are not exactly anti-abortion. They're not necessarily comfortable with it, but the idea that there should be a legal route, right. it was the middle ground for everyone to to walk the, the issue forward by, by giving cover. Now- Biden's movement; he's gotten lucky with the fact that the public numbers have also moved as dramatically as they have, and within the Democratic coalition, the the voice of women voters is not exactly insignificant. It's ever growing, especially under this president. He was basically chased re- right. Republican women. Uh, College educated Republican women out of their party right. entirely. So and, and
0: Rich Rubino, there is yeah. a conversation. And, and, and Rich Rabina, I swear I'm going to get to you, but Alan I'm going to let you have retort.
1: <laughs> no, I just it, it's clear that this was a political calculus. He saw the movement. He even attributed his change to these to these crazy laws. I get all of that. I don't think any of these laws will go into effect. I don't like them. They make. I, I, I think it's it, it's really pro- problematic and troublesome, and we'll see what the Supreme Court does. Wouldn't surprise me if we're a couple of years away from them even looking at any of this stuff, because it's got to wor- wor- work its way up. Um, I, I just think that, that something that's been around that long that has that provided this kind of cover, th- that that will linger. And I also will just make the comment that that one should not assume that all women are of a single point of view on the abortion question because they are not.
0: Now, oh. again, I got, I got, or white guys about to go down a really, really awkward. Which is why I want
3: to let uh, Rich no, Trumino saying, saying it's a women's health yeah. issue is not exactly what? a. a a, a an issue that should be glossed over. So, no, no, it
0: shouldn't. But but I will tell and, you right and now. Hold part on, and part and parcel hold, with hold all on. of this Wait, Dan, is
3: actually ch- chasing not, these health plans away from from, I'm po- not, from poor women. No, and, no, that's, Dan, and, I'm, and that's I part of the issue. But I'm not
0: going to I'm not going to have four white guys talk about women's health issues without some sort of female perspective in all this. It's just not a good idea. Rich, real yes.
2: quick. Let me bring up the kind of the political implications of this. What Joe Biden's move showed. I think is that, and we've seen this with some other examples, is that abortion is now a litmus test issue within the Democratic Party. We saw this last year, Senator Bob Casey from Pennsylvania, who's a relatively liberal Democrat, but who was opposed to abortion rights considered running for president? He chose not to. He would have been the only abortion rights opponent that would have that would have potentially run for president. Um, go back in 2000, for example, Al Gore was considering vice presidential running mates. Emin Bayh, who was generally pro-choice but had, a, had was in favor was a which supported a ban on. Um, on late-term abortions, was on the short list. That was probably the reason why Al Gore chose Joe Lieberman rather than Evan Bayh. But you go back in 1984, for example, the last really abort- anti-abortion race candidate who ran, I think, was Robin, was uh, Ruben Askew, the governor of Florida. He got nowhere. <laughs> Prior to that, you had Hubert Humphrey in 72, and then in 76, Sergeant Shriver, who was a Catholic was against abortion rights. He ran, and it was not really an issue. But I think right now, if you look at every Democrat that's running for president right now, there is not one of the major Democratic presidential candidates who's even, you know, who, who's even, who's even somewhat in the middle on this issue right now. How that's going to affect in the general population? It's going to potentially right. give Trump. the it's, – It's going to certainly, I think, benefit Donald Trump by saying not necessarily that these candidates are against all abortions, but he's going, that are, that support all. they going to say they're all they're right. radicals. They support abortion. Are going to say they support partial birth abortions, that's our, it's that's, interesting that's already, where the party has where the party has
3: really well, that's come from. In, you know, right? a moderate All right. position. All
0: right, look, look, look. We're we're, not, we're we're not. I'll take this up another time when we've got female representation here. But I'm not doing this again with four white guys. Uh, as far as the rest of the crowd, we're starting to see is, Biden's numbers are starting to close a little bit, but we're starting to see that front of the pack tighten a little bit. Uh, we're seeing Elizabeth Warren starting to pick up speed. We're seeing uh, Mayor Pete Buttigieg starting to pick up speed. And Bernie Sanders is starting to maintain.
3: Bernie's losing. Ber- Bernie's where the points are coming from. Uh,
0: yeah. I, I, I but he's, he's still at the top of the heap right now. Yeah, he's but, still top four.
3: Yeah, he, he's top four. It's but,
1: statistical but he, dead right. heap between the three of us. It used to be a top two. Right. Now there's a top one and the next three. Right, right. right.
3: And it's worth noting that – so so Bernie's gotten old, both <laughs> <Okay. laughs> literally and figuratively, um, in part because uh, Elizabeth Warren is putting serious policy ideas out there, and she also has a track record of – you know, getting some of her policy ideas done. Um, let me, let me and, I, and I know this is because Alan has, cal- has called me out as far, far as referring to uh, Bernie Sanders as his legislator uh, with his questionable success record, um, whereas people are actually looking at Elizabeth Warren's approach, her very methodical <clears throat> approach, her professorial approach, which almost never is a good thing but for, it, for a, a for somebody politically on stage but elizabeth warren's approach to talking about things in detail and also but is elevating it sustainable the conversation long term.
0: is is elizabeth warren's
3: She's a second second term U.S. senator, and she's been growing, and she's also been able to go where most Democrats have not been able to go. She's been able to be be a surrogate in other places where Republicans win. doesn't Doesn't
0: she run the risk of
3: it becoming old hat too soon? That's, that's potential for every candidate.
0: But, but with her, she seems to be making. How case. many times
3: did each of us say, you know, this Donald Trump thing's not going to last? He's going to implode. You can't call a war hero a coward. I prefer people who aren't good, shot down. Good point. You can't say you'll grab women by the bleep. I, I hate you, it when you use our own ignorance <laughs> to our
0: detriment. Uh, Alan Moore, does, does the continued success of Pete Buttigieg surprise you?
1: Yes, but it intrigues me too. Um, I mean, Why? He, It was simply because no one saw him coming. He was not on the radar screen, um, and he literally came out of nowhere, um, and he continues to rise. He then became the new darling, the new the the new little shiny object, and he's smart. He's thoughtful. He's, really he's got a compelling story. <laughs> um, he's he, he is he is. He's a veteran served, and he he's gay. served overseas. Uh, 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 um, I,
3: I believe Iraq uh, and Afghanistan, if I'm not mistaken. Correct. correct. So he's a corpsman. So I mean, it, it, keep he, going. It's,
1: it's just it, it, He's just a really uh, six, new six languages interesting um, uh, thing. Uh, 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 Elizabeth, back to your question of Dan what what you need to do in the early rounds is survive to the later rounds and those are the four in the lead right now and and then you drop a number of points to Kamala Harris and then a number more points to Beto and 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 whoever else is it, out Beto's there Beto
3: has been losing so, steam as well so oh, yeah.
1: that's what i'm saying so so um, you know, Kamala Harris is kind of the, the the distant number five, and then it's then you're down to the two percent and less. Um, so Warren Warren n- needs to be in the top five <clears throat> six months from now, and and then everything will have changed, and we'll see who's got money, who's got support, who gets who who gets turnout. Um, the, the Democrats have have a challenge on their hands as they keep modifying the rules right. to figure out how to to qualify for future debates, and it's very controversial. That you have to have a certain number of donors from a certain number of states, and and you, and or you have certain to show money. you have to show and or you have to show up in a, in a certain way in in certain polls, right? Um, but they it gets tighter and tighter and people are going to start dropping off but that's going to be controversial. Rich
0: Rich Rubino, it um it it seems like that in in talking to s- some political pundits around town that a lot of these folks are saying either a Donald Trump did it so I could possibly do it or b They're auditioning for work post-election, i.e. cabinet spots. Uh, Is that your general feeling? Oh, absolutely. That's completely what I think. I think
2: the fact that you have so many people running right now, they see it as such an open spot. They see that Joe Biden is being out of touch, I think, with the current – with the contemporary Democratic Party. I think the Hyde Amendment was one example of the fact. He certainly is writing up the crime bill right. support for the Iraq war. They don't see – they don't think he's going to survive, and then they see there's going to be you know, a vacuum in the politics is going to abhor a horror vacuum. That's why – I mean, you listen to everybody. Everybody has a, every candidate has a justification. The ones way down there, for example, you know, Steve Bullock, the governor of Montana, says that, well, I was elected the same year at a, in a red state as Donald Trump was elected. So – is your secretary of, of
0: interior?
2: I'm going to win. Yeah, that's what I'm. That's exactly. Or secretary of agriculture. Then someone like Jay Jay Inslee is running. What well, governor of Washington? He's at about one percent. He's running on climate change as his main issue. Could that mean that perhaps he wants to be at The EPA, for example. Right. You can kind of you can kind of make the you know you can kind of make these projections. Or of course. The other possibility is they simply think that they're going to somehow strike lightning in a bottle, and they're either going to be a vice presidential choice or they're going to potentially, they're actually going to win, and they're going to. They look at the scenario of Trump, and then they look at, I mean, Barack Obama, even though he was known, he was two years out of the state senate in Illinois, and he got the nomination. Or, or they, and the other thing I think, you know, John, De, it's interesting. He it was also keynote speaker case. at
3: the Democratic National Convention uh, four years earlier.
2: Yeah, in Boston. But John Delaney is an interesting case because John Delaney basically announced in 2017, he's a congressman from Maryland no one's ever heard of, and the president that he's using is Jimmy Carter. Jimmy Carter announced his presidential campaign in 1974. They took a Harris poll that year. The 35 top Democratic candidates, he wasn't even on that list. And Jimmy Carter begins to get the nomination. So Delaney spends all his time in Iowa, and he says, "Well, if Carter did that, then you know this is his open field, as there was in '76. Maybe I can do it." And I think just when you have that type of an ego, you see some sort of a scenario. And when you've succeeded at pretty much everything in your life, you see, you look at Seth Moulton, for example. I mean, you know, he's valedictorian at Phillips Academy. In probably the best prep school in the country, he says, you know, if I can if I can do that, if I can then go to Harvard, if I can be an incumbent congressman, um, then I can certainly become president of the United States. And if I don't, well, you know, there's always secretary of defense or secretary of veterans up right. there, and I can get a lot of money on speaking gigs, and I can potentially run in the future.
3: Dan Lipner. Right, but there's other short, short-term issues. So uh, Hickenlooper, Hickenlooper, a successful governor of Colorado, Colorado a purple state um, – Last I saw, Hickenlooper is also at one, maybe zero percent in the polls. Um, He also has a Senate seat that's coming up for play in his state. Running for president is a great way of getting some some national fundraising lists out there. So even if you're in front of folks for just little bits of time at, say, the Iowa dinner, getting national press to cover you, and then when you pull out of the presidential race and say, you know— I think I should go to Washington as the next US Senator. Let me ask from you Colorado. this question, then, the Dan same
2: for Steve Bullock in Montana.
0: Right. Dan, let me ask you this question then. How many of how many of the twenty twenty Democratic uh, candidates are doing
3: this as a show horse? So I'm looking at the list right now. So uh, Bullock, uh, Castro, de Blasio, Delaney, Ginsley. uh, Inslee, maybe I mean there's uh, bo- both uh, Senate seats are held by Democrats. However, at some point somebody's got to retire. Uh, Hickenlooper, uh, I, I honestly forgot. Tulsa Gabbard is running for president. Uh, <laughs> the uh, Amy Klobuchar, Lord only knows what her end game is. Um, the <laughs> mayor of Miramar, I completely forgot, was also running. What?
0: Manhattan, the mayor of yeah. Miramar, Florida. Yep. Yep. Get out of here. Former yep. NFL player.
3: Uh, so, Jill Brand left her out. Oh yeah, Kirsten Gillibrand. Yeah, I, Jill Brand. I'm not entirely certain. I, she might actually think she has a shot at winning. Um, Beto is slipping, however. Beto, it, uh, based on numbers that I saw, could actually challenge for Senate the other Senate seat in Texas. Don um, Cornyn. Yeah. Uh, it might be worth doing, and since there's also been rumored for a while, Cornyn doesn't exactly like playing second fiddle, and doesn't know if he wants to stick around in the Senate. Uh, I don't know if he's officially right. announced he's running for re-election. So let me ask it's, this so question: Before d- there, there are other all, things these folks can do, before we go down all 28 of these people, the
0: the question I'll pose to you, Alan Moore, is: You know, we we talked about lightning in a you know finding that lightning in a bottle. Can you know? We had lightning in a bottle with Obama. We had a lightning in a bottle with Trump. I, I mean, is is modern day? Is there is there a is there a third lightning in the bottle? Three presidents in a row.
1: Well. Uh, I don't know about I don't know three in a row, but the fact it doesn't have to be in a row. It, the, the notion is it's it's possible, and it, and there's this great opportunity. And if you're of a of an age and a place in your life where you think, go for it. Um, you know, for Warren and Bernie, this is like their last shot. Um, I, I say that without prejudice to to Warren. It's just that when you you know, you're getting up in your 70s, and and Trump has proved that that's okay. But I think go there's easy. still uh, but a Leiden lot. Go th- through his 90s. I, th- I, I think was going to say, let's
0: go easy, go easy on right ages. Now in
2: Germany,
1: I think there's a lot of I think there's a lot of a, a, a lot of uh, hesitation among among uh, uh, a good number of voters that at some point people really are too old. But but uh, but having said that, I you know you look at if. I think if Biden gets the nomination and he's still the front runner, if he gets the nomination, I think he picks a woman to be on the ticket. Who's he right. going to pick? There, I don't see him picking Warren. Um, she's trying to stick needles into him anyway. I, it, it's either Kamala Harris, Amy Klobuchar, Kirsten Gillibrand, and I think it would be either Kamala Harris or Amy Klobuchar, just from what's out right. there now. And there may be some
2: maybe Martha Fudge, the uh, congresswoman from Ohio, too.
1: Well, and there, there there are probably some other women out there who aren't running, but who might be interesting uh, candidates. A couple of Although governors so, out there. So many women are running. Right. Meanwhile, if 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 Elizabeth Warren should should emerge, then I think she would be looking to a, a younger man. It would be it like be Warren Buttigieg, Buttigieg or yeah. or w- one of these other folks right. that she thought that would be. a—I I like this person. There's also, there's a, there's a Republican strategy
3: we also need to be b- paying attention to. Trump has a primary opponent, William Weld. And the reason I say we need to pay attention to this is William Weld, during his uh, one-on-one interview with, uh, with in real time with Bill Maher, pointed out part of his strategy is going to not to be throw the president off of closed primary states, but to get crossover Democratic votes in open primary states. So that... You can't vote on multiple ballots, so you have to choose when you walk in for an open primary state. So the question is who does Weld steal from in the process of trying to give the president a scare in an open primary state? That's a states? good question. And that's a, that's that's a, a very good that's, a, question. that's a real
0: question. Well, actually, we'll talk about that another time because we've only got about 30 seconds left uh, here on the show. So that being the case, uh, on behalf of uh, Rich Bino up in the Bay State. Uh, Alan Moore, Dan Lipner, uh, and of course, Isaac Lipner, who has now got his own following. His ratings are now greater than our own. Uh, Robbie Engineer, behind the glass, thank you. Charlie Burney, our host. Always good having you there. Uh, Eric Thomas, our producer, is out there somewhere, and he'll be back next week. Oh, no, we won't be back. We will not be broadcasting uh, next week. I got to go to Vancouver. You, oh no! You're gonna. Oh wait <laughs> a minute, Dan. I'm sorry. We already are. decided this. Oh, we already decided that. <laughs> we will. We will have podcasts next week. Dan Lipner's is going to moderate. Uh, he'll still take the big chair. Uh, other than that, uh, you can follow us on Instagram, follow us on Twitter, on Facebook. You can also download us as a podcast from your favorite service, being i uh, iTunes, Google Podcast, Spotify, and now iHeartRadio. We're kind of a big deal now. Go to our website, backroompolitics.org. We'll see you next time from Studio A and Podcast Village. Have a great week, America.